So we're rolling. Cool. We are live. This is You're Doing It Wrong with Mark Henderson Leary, and my name is Mark, and I have a passion that you should feel in control of your life, and so what I do is I help you get control of your business, and part of how I do that is by letting you listen in on a conversation between two people who have a passion, a real passion for excellence in the entrepreneurial world in some way. And they're talking about a subject you probably already know something about, but this time we're digging deep and getting into the nuts and bolts so you can start to figure out what you might be missing so you can break through those ceilings and really get control of that piece of the business or maybe that piece of your life and really get the life you deserve. And so before I dive into the content today, please subscribe share share with the friends make sure the people who could use this content get access to it it's really important it's just very very helpful when you give feedback and share uh because that's the whole idea we want to make sure we get this stuff recorded so people can hear it and we don't want it just to be uh, missed as a one-time conversation so for today our guest uh good friend of mine a guy i've known a long time i'm so privileged to to have this conversation and talk about what we're going to talk about but tim loney is ceo entrepreneur of a tech company that uh it services company we've been you know back when i was in it services we, we were ostensible competitors but we've been friends through how long tim 20 years um Oh my gosh! Yeah, close to twenty time, years, right? and uh, and just runs yeah. a, a phenomenal company with 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 a, a great culture. I had an opportunity to be in, inside the company for a little bit, which we can talk about at some point. But uh, super loyal culture with loyal clients and all that. But the story isn't just about that. The story is about understanding. Um, the gift of entrepreneurship and the gift of life, and uh, let's just let's just kind of get right into it. I mean, t- Tim. Tim Loney, welcome to the to the show. Man, Mark, thanks so much. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Um, it's a privilege to you know have this conversation with you as well, and sh- and share some information, share share my story um, behind the whole situation. So I, wanna, I, I mean, it, this well, is crazy. So we're in a crazy time, <laughs> and you know, we've. I guess what makes me so compelled about this topic is that. We've done a lot of. We've all done a lot of reprioritization, and there are a lot of things uh, that come to uh, spending time with family. Um, what's really important in the business and in life, but I don't know anybody personally who has had a more dramatic, more profound. I mean, I've heard of people, but I but I personally know somebody who has this dramatic, profound question of what matters most than you, because you have run your business for how long has the business been running? You've been so running 21 for 21 years, years and in the middle of this, you died. You, that actually happened. You, you, you have a life before you saw yourself in the state of being dead, and now you've lived the life since then, and I, I want people to hear how you see the world differently, how you see your business differently. Mark, that's... Uh that's the whole thing. October 23rd is now a date on the calendar that I remember very well. Um, October 23rd, 2018, uh, I hit the floor in my office. Um, I suffered a massive heart attack right here in my office on my day-to-day job. Uh, just the Somebody up there said that it was time for me to stop. And fortunately... Uh, I'm here today to talk about it and take that, uh, you know, take the communication 
and really take a step back and look at what can I do differently now than I did for the previous years of my life before so I how many years desk, before and how many years right? after so October what was the year 2018 2018 so we just just okay. passed two years right just had a two-year anniversary of me coming back to back to the world to, to you know to run the business to run my family to enjoy life to you know be able to look out the window at the ponds and the in the trees and really enjoy it uh, to a deeper level than previously it, it gives you a new appreciation for life so 19 really years does. before two years after what describe describe the the journey that got you on the first half like how, what was your entrepreneurial journey like I'm sure largely like many others <clears throat> Yeah, well, Mark, as you know, we um, I spent my time in the Fortune 100 business, um, spent time with uh, Continental Airlines, American Express. Uh, American Express was the last Fortune 100 I worked for. I was a, I was a tech uh, on the technical team at American Express and knew it was time for me to expand out. So after spending 10 years uh, working for a Fortune 100, uh, getting some great knowledge, some great training, and there's nothing that I can look back at and say I'm glad I didn't do it um, because I really appreciated what they did. Um, they developed me for being able to go out on my own and build my company, um, taking the step into the entrepreneurial world and taking my, my skills and abilities and build a world-class organization based on a lot of methodologies that I picked up in the Fortune 100s. So you kicked out into the entrepreneurial world. What, what was your, Michael Gerber calls it the entrepreneurial seizure, like the, the, that, that moment when you think, I could do this. And so you did. What was that moment? Well, you know, Mark, the, uh, the moment was is that both Fortune 100s that I worked for, I received several sevens <laughs> packages. Um, okay. One at Continental Airlines during a bankruptcy, I received a severance package, came back and, you know, did a job there, uh, which was interesting because I came back uh, the first time at Continental Airlines and they said, well, the only thing we have open, uh, you keep in mind, I was working in corporate headquarters on Allen Parkway um, for Continental Airlines. This was like the, the, uh, the big tower, right, for the airlines. And... I had a nice job, had a beautiful desk, overlooked the city, was great. The only job they had left for me was loading bags on the ramp at Intercontinental Airport. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so so I said, yeah, sure, let's, okay, I want to stay with the company. I want that, you know, crystal decanter and uh, Rolex after, you know, spending 30 years here. And so... I went in and I, I went and did the training. Okay, so I'm going to slow this uh, down. I you to, said yes. I'm going to load bags. That's incredible. I'm going to load bags. That, that, that's awesome. I love I it. Was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, from the executive corporate tower to loading bags because I wanted to stay with the airline, right? I enjoyed that industry. And uh, so I went down, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great after you hear this. So I went, <laughs> I went, I went into, into the training class. I said, okay, this is all cool. I took a couple of days off, traveled around, came back. So got my first day of training. So I go down into the dungeon in, underneath Intercontinental Airport where they hold the safety training 
for working on the ramp. I had to obviously be refreshed. It had been, you know, probably seven, eight years since I'd ever loaded bags. So it wasn't your first um, rodeo, though, so, so you were ready to do this. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I've done it before, you know, a very at a very young age. I mean, I started in that business at the age of 15, um, loading bags on airplanes. So, so here I am. I'm sitting there in this training class, and the money was nowhere near what I was making, right? So it's like, okay, we're gonna drastically cut your pay and you're gonna back up airplanes and you're gonna load bags, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm halfway through. By lunchtime, I had gone up to the instructor and I said, you know, I just don't think I can do this. I, you know, I just can't go back that far in the organization and start at the bottom again. So I handed in my uh, little um, wand <laughs> that you used to to to. Bring, as you soon as you said hand in, I was like, he did the, the, the wand things. It's like, <laughs> you handing those back? You were, they have like initials on them, or they they were like assigned as, 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 as to you? <laughs> oh no, no, no. Standard no, issue. No, 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 no. But I, it's like okay, standard issue. I'm like, here's my wands. I'm calling it quits. I'm done with the airline business. You know, this is just such a drastic. You know, it's just the airline business is always so volatile, right? So I handed in my wands. I walked out that door in the door that day and I left the airline business altogether and uh, went into working for American Express um, and joined into their organization. Built my skills up, got my technical training, um, spent years uh, just recertifying, doing Nobel training, doing Microsoft training, uh, Cisco training, getting all the certifications I could um, to build my skills up. And bam, I got hit with another severance package. Five years in at American Express, they said, oh, we're gonna re-engineer the corporation. Um, you know, the books, who moves <laughs> my cheese, re-engineering the corporation. I bought it for everybody one time. You know. Yeah, every time. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That's the classic work change book. If you've not read that, you should, that's a good one, especially if you're stuck in your business and if you're thinking like you're trying to do business like you were doing last year, who moved my cheese? Only knock it out in like 45 minutes. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. It's a short It's a short read, and it's it's a good one, right? Um, and it's great to have all of those, all those books on the shelf from, you know, building my organization and understanding what, Fortune 100s do, how they operate. Um, so you can take the good and the bad from those organizations and build a world-class organization yourself from that perspective. So anyway, so five years in, got a severance package from American Express. Bam, hit me in the face. I'm like, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, go ahead and reapply for your job again, right? So reapply for my job. Um, I packed up my box that day, took it home, and uh, took all my personal items home with me that day. Reapplied for my job, flew to Chicago, interviewed for the job in Chicago, and uh, the job wasn't going to be in Chicago, but I had to fly up there and, and interview. I sat down with a couple of my former coworkers, and we were all like, I wonder who's going to get the jobs, right? It's like they re-engineered the whole company. Um, but about three days later, when I'm back in Houston, sitting in my backyard, um, got a phone call and they said, hey, you know what? You're going to report to Phoenix and we've got a position for you. And I said, okay, great, but I'm not moving to Phoenix. And they go, oh, no, no, no. You remember that desk that you had in, you know, on Wilcrest Drive in Houston? I said, yeah. 
They said, well, you can have the same desk again because it's still vacant. So just take your stuff and go set up there, but you're going to report to Phoenix. I said, okay, sounds good. So I just went back to the same desk, had the same phone number, and uh, took my new position reporting to Phoenix with American Express. So fast forward four years later, and I'm expecting another severance package to come. So I went ahead and started my company. And I said, I'm going to be in control of my life. I'm going to take it from here. Uh, I've got all the skills and knowledge to be able to exit out of this company. Uh, reached out to my boss at that time. And I said, hey, you know, uh, you got a severance package coming up. And I'd like to be part okay. of it. And he was taken back. He was so taken back. He's like, what are you talking about? Are you reading corporate emails or what's going on? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not reading corporate emails. It's just, it, it's systematic. What you're doing is in, you know, this is the year that you're going to redesign the company. And uh, you'll ask, you, you'll look to cut people out and reorganize the company. So I'd like to be part of that. He said, no. He says, we're not doing that. And I said, all right. When you get the notification, just know that I'm putting my name on the list. Find a way to get me out of here because I'll have my 10-year anniversary coming up and I'd like, the package is the best at 10 years. So let let me get out of here, right? Uh, it's That's the time for me to exit out. And I think I'm in a good position. I've started up a small little company, little tech company, providing some support for my kids. You know, is that where it started? <laughs> you know, okay. that's where it started, you know. I set up the uh, line of business software for my kids' daycare so they could manage the kids, right? <laughs> and uh, so, sure enough, about three weeks later, he called me up and he said, you are not going to believe this. I just came out of a meeting. <laughs> and it's, we're going we're gonna to need to be cutting staff. And uh, he said, but you, we got to change your performance numbers. Your performance numbers are way too high for me to even consider you to be on the list. I said, okay, sounds good. Well, let, let's figure out a way. Um, and several months later, I was reassigned to a new manager, a manager that couldn't <laughs> manage. Um, and with that said, uh, I received a uh, very poor performance review. And my performance was like in the tank, right? So nine, eight years of great performance, and all of a sudden in my ninth year, I get this poor performance. But it was part of the plan. It was uh, it was to be able to get me on the list and, and get me out of there, um, which I was very prepared Did for. Did your manager know at so that point, or were you having to like, just pretend to be a bad student? I had to pretend to be a bad student. Um, the previous manager, um, he was aware of what was what was being transpired, so he made he made that call. And uh, he said, just go with it. And I said, okay, I'm just going to go with it. He says, it's all part of the plan. I'm like, okay. And so, yeah, so I exited out. It was great. But, uh, you know, I've always been a very committed worker and committed to the company I worked for and always very reliable and always wanted to really build and help build the organization. So it was. Yeah. It hurt when you get a severance package, right? Even though it's a, so, even though it was part of the plan. But you got to like. Uh, yeah. Even though it was part of the plan, you know, you get a regular paycheck. You know, it, shoot, I went for years without a regular paycheck. The paycheck was all over the board, right? Now I get a regular paycheck, but you know, but I get this bonus on top of it. So, so you, you know, 
Plus, I'm so you building equity. To it's, it's, it's the perpetu- is it like, is it the story of the the gun the heist the, the bank heist? Okay, shoot me in the shoulder so it looks like I'm not part of the deal. And so you got shot in the shoulder. <laughs> the bank heist is on, and you're it's it went flawlessly. So now you're now you're starting the business. You don't have a job anymore. You got the severance package. Package. You look in the bag, and now you got a business and some severance. Was it all you hoped for? <laughs> no, it wasn't all. I that was going to be a trick question. If you were going to say like, "Oh, it was perfect." That was easy. <laughs> From there, I was like, no. <laughs> no, when when I broke the news to my wife that I'd received a severance package and I was going to not look for another job, I was just going to go build a company. <laughs> That conversation so, so didn't go well. Interestingly, <laughs> the plan you had you had this plan out there for months with your old boss, but your w- wife wasn't in on the plan at that point. Was that a surprise to her? <laughs> oh God, no! Oh God, no! That was a surprise. Okay. Yeah, no, you know, you got to be selective on All those right, conversations. Right. So, yeah, yeah, li- yeah. Listen, so listen, listen, listeners, job. take she your had, own you know. interpretation of how to pursue that. <laughs> if you're <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, everybody's situation is different. So, but then again, uh, you know, I was under 30 years old and I had lots of opportunity ahead of me, right? I have that conversation with my daughter. And, you know, I'm like, well, you really need to be investing. You need to be putting money aside. And you need to be looking at buying real estate versus renting real estate. And she's 23. And I got to remember, she's got 70 years left on this earth, at least, right? And so she's in a completely different mindset than I am because who knows? I, I've got a second round, like we're talking about. I got a second opportunity um, to come back and do things a little bit differently. So, the, so those first first few years, uh, I mean, everybody's who, who's well, not everybody, but lo- lots of entrepreneurial leaders suffer a similar kind of slog <laughs> or something in those first years that where it's tremendous amounts of sacrifice, uh, oftentimes very exhilarating, uh, but you know it, it can be it can be tough. And especially tough on the family. So, just kind of, what's the what's the mindset for you at that time? What's going on at that time? How are you making decisions at that point? So, at that time, my daughter was six months old. I left my corporate job, my reliable paycheck, and I was starting out on my own, right, um, trying to build a business. So. The next step I took was, is I had a handful of customers, you know, during my last year at American Express, I had a handful of people I'd take care of on the side and, you know, had a somewhat of an income, not a, not a paycheck replacement by any means. Um, but I had, I had to build that paycheck replacement. That was the goal, right? If I can replace my paycheck, then I'm at least breaking even now. So that was the next step to be able to do. And uh, I went out and I got enough customers to be able to do that. And then uh, about a year and a half into the business, I decided to make an acquisition. And I acquired a company out of bankruptcy um, that was the Gateway Network Service Provider here in town. They Gateway Computers, you remember Gateway Computers, the, the oh, cow indeed. boxes. One know. of my jobs is doing technical support yeah. for that company, third party. But, but yeah, absolutely. I used to. Yeah. Yeah. So... So I picked up the uh, gateway network service providers, you know, fall out of their bankruptcy and acquired a bunch of clients from that. And that helped me launch the business into the next level. Um, And then took, you know, 
did replace my paycheck and continue to build on it. And over the you know course of the next you know several years, I did uh, six acquisitions and built the business over acquiring other small businesses and and pieces of businesses um, that couldn't deliver or didn't have process and procedure in place. Uh, coming out of the corporate world, that was the biggest thing. It was process, procedure, standardization. Um, I learned all those in the in the in the American Express world. Standardization, and took those and applied those to small, mid-sized businesses, and they were just fascinated by how well things worked once you standardized it and once you had a procedure in place. So thinking about so, and I don't want to kind of I will, I want to sort of be able to step through the big event in this in this timeline but just kind of looking through the lens of, of mm-hmm. your life now when you look back on that time like what would you tell yourself about what, what do you or what do you see now like oh my gosh I can't believe I was so focused on this right now knowing what I now know like why was I so is there, are there, are there this kind of like just head smacker things you look back at yourself in those days now oh I look back at those days now and you know, it was just kind of like a cowboy rodeo, right? <laughs> it's like, do this, do that, go over here, try this, try that, you know. Um, 21 years later, really process-oriented, um, real procedures in place, a lot of standardization. Um, but I thought I was invisible, right? I just, I would work. 14, 16, 18 hours a day, right? Sleep was optional. Just go at it and really, you know, take the bull by the horns and, and, and build this thing. Um, I did spend a lot of time with my kids. Um, I was there getting them off to school, taking a Mother's Day out, you know, uh, being there when they got home from school. That was some of the huge benefits that I got from building my own company. Uh, was I got to spend that whole time with my kids. Uh, when they weren't in school or they weren't in Mother's Day out, they were with me um, and their mom. Uh, their mom travels for a living, so she's on the road a large percentage of the time. But uh, really been able to establish a good long relationship with my kids by having that flexibility of having my own business. Uh, I look back at that and go, wow, that was that was a really good choice for me. Um, so, so so you had the entrepreneurial journey just like so many of us. You sounds like you got it to the point where you were really reaping some of the benefits and and it was a good life choice for you. 19 years clicked off in that. Take us up to yep. when it all changed. So things were going and blowing. Everything was super great, right? Business was great. We were getting things done. We were buying second houses and driving fancy cars and doing all of the things that we all strive to do, right? Things. Lots of things. I came into work that day, um, had a full schedule. Calendar was booked, double booked in some cases. Lots of calls to make. Came into the office. I, was, I wasn't feeling well the, the weekend before. And my daughter was in town from college, and uh, I said, you know, I just really, I, I'm not feeling well, so why don't you, uh, can you take me up to the urgent care? And she says, yeah, sure, I can take you up to urgent care. So we went up to urgent care, 
and uh, they diagnosed me with acid huh? reflux. They said, oh, you know, they did an EKG. The EKG came back fine. And they said, you just got some acid reflux. You know, you need to take some of this acid reflux medication and, and you'll be fine. So I immediately went and went to the CVS pharmacy and filled the prescription and got home and took the first pill. Said, acid reflux sounds yeah, great. That sounds great. We're going to solve this. We're going to solve this problem, right? Um, that was on Friday. Saturday, I still wasn't feeling much better. Um, but I was like, well, the doctors know. They, they know what's wrong. They, they, they clearly identified this as acid reflux. So if I just keep taking this medication, I'll be doing fine. So I took the, uh, I took the pills again Sunday and uh, feeling a little bit better, feeling well enough to go back into the office. Monday, went into the office, was doing okay. Tuesday, I came back into the office and hopped on a call with one of my clients in Waco, Texas, um, big manufacturer up in Waco. And I was on the call and it was one of those situations where I don't feel real well right now. And I told Jay on the other end of the phone, I said, Jay, I'm not feeling real well. I'm gonna have to let you go and I'll call you back when I get, when I get feeling better. And I set the phone down and I don't remember a thing after that because at that point I'd had a massive heart attack right here in my in desk that chair. chair. In this chair that I'm sitting in now, right? Um, did I expect that to happen? Absolutely not. We never do, right? But I had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Listening to the stories after coming out of you know that situation and being told that I'm the less than one percent that survived that type of heart attack, I realized that I got a second chance to make some changes in life, right? And am I doing it right? Am I am I really focused in the right areas to do the right things? How do I change the way I go about my day-to-day -day, um, operating? What am I doing that it's, it's different today than it was then? I mean, I was, God, man, I was eating anything. I was having steaks and hamburgers and, you know, fried chicken, you know. One of the funny things was is I told my cardiologist <laughs> after I came to several days later, I had a conversation with a cardiologist and I said, you know, I could really use some Popeyes right now. <laughs> he didn't think it was think funny. Was so he didn't funny. laugh. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't laugh. He's like, that's the last thing you're going to have and you will never have Popeyes again. Okay. okay. So, well, that's a whole thing in and of itself. So have you had Popeyes since then? No, okay, no, right. no I haven't. I don't think everybody no. is always as disappointed no. on that. Definitely not. Definitely not, you know. Um, so you take that you take that hitting the floor and not waking up for five days, because really five days was about how long it took for me to come to. And when I came to, 
it was that situation. I was strapped down in the hospital bed because I apparently tried to pull everything out of my body that was stuck in there. You know, things in my arms and things up my nose and things down my throat. You know, I, I came to and I guess I got a little bit angry about all this stuff and started to try and pull it all out. So they ended up having to strap me down and medicate me some more, um, sedate me. And, uh, you know, but I, I looked at my mom. She was sitting next to me at that point. And I said, what happened? Where am I? And that conversation was, you had a heart attack. And I said, no. Are you kidding me? How? How did I have a heart? How does that, how does that happen? And, you know, then I fell asleep for a while. And, you know, I was coming, coming to and, and, you know, very sedated. Um, that whole time in the hospital um, because the stress that that has on your heart it's it's just like beating your body with a sledgehammer right yeah yeah um, so you got to be very very careful when you know when you're doing any kind of physical or even psychological thinking because it can really send you over the edge so I'm imagining that the, because of the physical trauma you described in the in the past it, like the body is not just sort of repairing the heart. There's a whole rest of the body has been physically beat up in the attempts to to resuscitate you, uh, which I guess is worth is noteworthy. When I when I say you you died, like that was the diagnosis, right? You're you you they they measured you as dead at one point. Say something about that, and then I want to talk more about what happened after that. So they had to revive me three times. Once here in my office, on the floor of my office, um, they, you know, moved my desk and, you know, cleared space, which I know how to do that now because I'm CPR certified, <laughs> as is all of my staff. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> um, but they had to resuscitate me on the floor here in my office. They got me, you know, to come to well enough to put me into the ambulance. Um, they had to resuscitate me again in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, which is less than a mile away. Um, and then when I got to the hospital, um, they had to resuscitate me the third time. Uh, it was between the second and third time that they told my wife they were about to read me my last rites. So that's hard, you know? Um, they were they were planning for me not to come back and uh, my wife heard them scream from the back where they were doing the work on me I've got him back I've got him back and uh, the third time resuscitating me brought me back to life and they were able to keep me alive from that point forward and it's very wow so emotional just to kind of see and feel how real that was um, and there's there's two there's two yeah. things that flow from that. One is the physical repair that has to happen from the damage of the heart attack itself, plus all of their attempts to resuscitate you, the physical trauma. I mean, they beat you up. They, they literally beat you up, and other things that, that have to go along. And your body is trying to recover from that. So over the next day or two, talk a little bit about how you, the physical recovery is one element. The other part is is sort of this awakening, I'm guessing. And that's my word. I'd love you to describe it. As you sort of come out of, in, into the reality of, um, I guess, 
I'm not even getting a question out. I'm guessing that in day T plus one, the business is a problem in your mind somewhere that is way subordinate to like, no, I'd like to be alive, right? Is that fair? Your, your, your priorities that I'd like to be alive, I'd like to be around my family, these things are very, very present. Is that fair? Yes, um, that is fair, but you got to look at it as is the business supports okay. my family. So, so it wasn't really that you far. Know, there's a, there's yeah, there's there's such a component, you know, and and and, and I live this business, right? I live this business for my family to have the things that we have. So, in life, so, so I, uh, to be able to put yeah. that food on the table. Yeah. So right? here's the, my question. Here's my question. So, I want you to watch us through the walk us through the con- the consciousness of okay, what happened? Taking stock of it, working towards like. You know, from like, I guess there was probably even a time where you weren't even sure if it was going to stick, right? They're like, you're alive for now. Uh, and then that, that's one point of this. And then now, at some point, you're like, well, it looks like you're going to make it. So now you get the ability to start rewriting your recipe book for your life. Walk us through the stages of like, I'm alive to like, I now have a new opportunity. And how, how did you get there? And what, what really came to you? What was surprising? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, at that point, you know, five days later, I realized I'm alive, right? But I hurt, you, like you said, you know, the thumper machine beating on me to keep me, keep my heart going, you know, all of those aspects of it. And I'm, so as I come to, I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to know my mom, my wife, my children. I need you all to know this is where this is. This is where that is. If I don't make it through this, you all need to know where certain things are and how certain things work. And one of those phone calls was to you, Mark, right? Is a, I, may, I can't remember if I made that phone call to you or um, if I had one of my family members make that phone call to you. But it was having that person aligned to step in and take my role in the organization. And I believe I made that phone call. Well, there were a couple of events. I, I do recall that you and I spoke, and I don't remember what happened first, because I did get a call and or a text from your wife, and, uh, and you wanted to talk to me, and we did talk. And I don't remember how that fit into sort of like a first wave, second wave, because there was there was sort of like the first wave of here we are, but then you, you kind of had a, I don't know if it was a scare, I guess it was a sort of a second scare that sort of changed the chemistry of or the, or the outlook. But yeah, I definitely got I definitely got a call from your wife, and you and I spoke, and you said exactly what, you, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So I had to... I had to I had to make that call, and I tell people the story this to this day. I'm like, you know, I've got this this wingman, Mark, <laughs> you know, and uh, that that phone call that says, "Hey, you know, if I ever need somebody to step in and take the business, um, I want you to I want you to be able to step in and take it, right?" And uh, you know, I made that phone call that day, and I said, "Hey, Mark, remember?" Uh, Remember I asked you, if, you know, if I ever needed you to step in, you know, I'd make that phone call. And I remember you saying, don't make today that day. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I said, yeah, today's that day. I'm, I'm in the hospital. I've had a massive heart attack. And I need you to step in. Here's my, 
here's my voicemail password, here's my computer password, go in and, and, and run the business while I try and get through the situation I'm in right now. Um, so, you know, so we took those steps, but you're right, it, it, it was the beginning of a long battle of recovery. Um, I want to say now, two years later, um, I'm probably 95%, but between that point of first recovery and months of cardiac rehab, as well as physical exercise changes, diet changes, um, realizing that there was still blockage, going back into the hospital, um, having multiple heart catheterizations and multiple stents. Um, you know, those were all events. I've got that process down now. <laughs> okay. Man, I know exactly how it works, right? It's like, I know exactly what we're going to do. Well, that, that process you're talking <laughs> you about know? is really interesting because I think what's, what I think, this is a part of the story that's not all that well told. Uh, and that is, it was not clear what a, what the path was for running your business for a period of time, even with the assumption that you were going to be fine. Like, because I, I, I never really seriously worried that you were gonna gonna die after that. I wasn't really worried about that. But what wasn't clear was how uh, how fast your recovery would be, and what were the right size uh, steps. To run the company in an interim capacity, you know, how should we plan for the next two weeks? She'll be back in two weeks. Should we plan for the next year? Totally different, totally different things. And uh, and and having answers for people like clients and employees as to what the next month is going to look like that was that was not that easy to figure out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't, and and nobody knew, nobody knew, right? Um, nobody knew if I would last another day or another you know, month or years or, or what the yeah. future and if, had. And if you're back, you're at, at one thing full we, capacity like always, or is it half capacity? You know, and, and cause I think you were, and I, I guess the details of this are, are different in each potential situation. Not everybody who has a, not everybody's gonna have a heart attack. Right. But the, but the idea that it was unclear how much recovery you could make, that's a, that's a real thing for anybody who is in a business where they have an illness that affects them. They might have to decide that 100% is not 100% anymore. 100% is what used to be 50%, and that changes the game in a big way. It really does, right? It really does. And you have to think about that. Is is I wanted to come back a lot sooner than I could. I wanted to be back into the business, the thing that I did day-to-day 80% of my life, Right. Um, but I knew that I wasn't healthy enough to do it. And that, re- that return back was going to be a long road. And it wasn't going to be, you know, wake up this, you know, this Monday morning and go into the office and work for five days. That recovery was going to be, hey, maybe you'll go in Tuesday for a couple hours, but you won't go back till Friday and maybe spend a couple hours. Right. So it was a very gradual return back into the workplace. And it was quite interesting when I did come back. Well, number one, I had to move my desk back to where it was supposed to be. (laughs) I was like, what the hell happened in my office? I'm like, oh, they moved your whole furniture. Everything was moved. Like, it was like, move it out of the way. 
just get it out of the way and get it. That's funny. I never floor, really noticed. Right? Which I, is I worked in your office CPR. a couple days or a couple times. You know, or I don't know, whatever I came up there. I did a lot of remote stuff. But I would be in the office yeah. and it seemed like it was I was supposed to be. So maybe they straightened things up and it was not in the same spot <laughs> as you were expecting. <laughs> I, yeah, I noticed it. I noticed it right away, right? And it's like, you know. But, uh, yeah, when those type of events happen, it's like move just take and move everything and clear a space on the floor and put your patient on the floor and allow yourself enough room for two people, one on either side of that person, part of CPR, right? Um, to give you plenty of room to be able to work on that person and keep them alive, uh, from that perspective. But, uh, yeah, but the return to work, you know, it was slow and gradual and, you know, uh, you don't start rehab right away. You gotta, you know, you gotta give yourself time to recover from the heart attack itself. Um, go through all of the different medication formulas and find out what works best for you. What does the recipe look like? Um, and believe me, there's been, I don't know how many changes to medications over the period of this last two years, but I think we finally got it to a point where it is where it needs to be. Um, but it was trial and error in a lot of a lot of ways that I feel it was trial and error. <laughs> it's like, hey, give you this medication. Wow, you know what? I feel like you know I feel like my heart's racing a thousand miles an hour right now. Um, oh well, maybe we should back that one down. Let's let's increase this one and back that one down. Let's take this one away and add this one. Those kinds of situations, right? So, um, but yeah, coming back in, you know, it was a gradual, slow period and. Uh, you know, people were surprised. I mean, my entire office was here um, when the event happened, and they knew I was at risk. I was a big at risk um, for it to happen again. So I had to make sure that my stress level stayed down and that, you know, I didn't overexert myself. So do you use that as a management um, technique? Or as a like, don't stress me out. I could die, man. You get, those ticket, get that ticket count down. And you're like... <laughs> I could, you, I could die you know, if your ticket resolutions don't get better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that I, I think it was on the reverse side of that. The employees felt more obligated to keep my stress down than I did. They were coming to me saying, I don't want to stress you out. I don't want to, you know, we got this taken care of. We just wanted you to bring you in the loop that it's all been taken care of, right? Um, so they were proactive in not bringing the stress to me or passing the stress on to me. Um, from Did you find any trouble with people hiding stuff that you wish you'd knew, known about because they were trying to keep it off your desk? It wasn't anything that was life-threatening, right? Detrimental to the business. Um, sure, they kept stuff from me. They needed to. They needed to keep things from me, right? So, especially the client that I was talking to on the phone that day, he's like, "Hey, Tim never called me back." Was he mad? <laughs> no, no, no. He was understanding, right? <laughs> Actually, I think one of the employees called him like six, seven days later and said, "Hey, uh, by the way, uh, we know you were on the phone with Tim. Uh, he had quite an event happen, and he's not going to be returning your phone call." Yeah, in fact, I think soon. I did a call down, and I think someone had already <laughs> talked to him, but I did, I did check in with him now that I recall. <laughs> that, that was part of the protocol. <laughs> exactly. Get all the names of all the clients and make sure everybody knows what's up. And, and some people, yeah, we're already in the loop. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, so here we are two years later, right? Um, 
whole different perspective. You know, not a hundred percent turn, but I'd say probably a seventy-five percent turn. You really, uh, you really come to appreciate the things in life that are most important to you. Um, that being not only your time in the business, but your time away from the business as well. Say more about that. Right. Say more about that. Really, I do. I believe what you're saying, and I think that's hard to understand for a lot of people when it when it just sounds like I don't know. If, be more balanced. Smell the roses, and that just pisses off a lot of entrepreneurs, including me. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm trying to do something here. I don't want to smell a rose. How does a rose fit into my my workload here? It's not. It doesn't seem mission driven. But I've come to find some wisdom in that. So how did how did you connect time away from work as truly meaningful for you? So, you know, it's you take this you take this road that it's like all of a sudden we're looking at it from a different view, right? If you're looking out at the forest, I'll take my lake house for an example. One way I look out at the forest, the other way I look out at the the water. Both of them very different landscapes. Now I get to take a look at both of them equally because in the past I would just look at the water and go, oh, it's great to be at the lake. But now I sit on the back deck and enjoy the forest as well. And by balancing my home life and my family life with my entrepreneurial, uh, you know, growth and, and business life, it's a lot different. And it's a lot different. And you need to take, I, I find that I'm so much happier and it really hasn't affected the bottom line, which is a big piece of why entrepreneurs think that they've got to be at it. 100% of the time, 24 hours a day. I'm not saying I've taken the thro- taken off of the throttle on the business. I'm still measuring and, and looking at metrics for the business and making sure the business is performing the way it should be, right? But I have taken a different approach on how I deal with my life. And that is spending more time enjoying the things that are important to me because Man, when you get hit with that, you died. You're not coming back. You don't get it. You don't get an opportunity to go finish those things that you didn't do, or take that trip that you always wanted to take, or go, you know, enjoy time with people that you want to enjoy time with. Right. So let's let's stay on that for a sec because I, I this. When the word balance comes up, I still I think I patently reject the word. I don't think the word's useful. I think people hear it and they tune out, and I don't think it tells the story. I do think that there is uh, two words that I think are really helpful, and more helpful at least to me in describing. And one is healthy, uh, and then in this case maybe holistic and uh, focus. And because ba- balance tends to end up being, and it sounds like, like you said, taking the, the foot off the gas. Balance is slow down. You know, try a little less hard. Don't stress out so much. Don't set the goal so high. And that's that to me is what balance ends up kind of sounding like, even though it's maybe not be what it means. But focus. Um, talk talk about focus because especially in those first couple of days, well, both of those now and then in the first couple of days, uh, weeks rather, um, you got two hours a week. We'll say work. You got to choose well. Is that is that not an allegory for how you spend your energy for the next two years? Like, look, 
I got to make it count. I got to focus because I can't do everything. It's not useful. It's not workable. Absolutely. Focus is, uh, is a good word to describe that. Um, because the things I was doing up to that point was doing everything. And certain things got focused, certain things became priority, right? But taking those and really assessing what is the business doing and how do I contribute to the business and what do we get the best results out of, right? Um, and I agree with you, balance isn't, balance isn't, oh, just take your foot off the gas and go spend time with you, just go spend yeah, time on the yeah. lake or go, you know, that kind of thing. Because you can't do that. You have to make sure that you've got somebody that's taking care of the tasks at hand that need to be done in the business. And a lot of that has been my ability to delegate out more than, more than I was used to doing. I had a certain level of expectation, and I, and I have very high expectations, right? I mean, I'm I'm a retailer's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from uh, from automotive repairs to you know having my front doors painted on my house, right? It's like, nope, that's not good enough. Oh, Redo yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> you know, those kinds of situations. So, um, and I have those kind of expectations for the employees that work in the business. And sometimes, you know, I think my expectations are higher than what our customers' expectations are, which is where it should be. Um, you know, you want to exceed the expectations of your customers. And you can still stay focused and make sure that level of service is provided to your customers. Um, I'm doing it today, and it feels great. It really so, does. From a whole, I'm going to bring these two concepts together. You got emotional talking about who is important in your life, and but this is a whole thing as an ecosystem, like you said. Like you, the business doesn't, you can't just like pretend it doesn't exist. It feeds the whole thing. So you take a step back and you look at your whole life, your family, your friends, your business, your lake, your house. Um, yeah. When you look through your your lens now, the new post, you know, second chance lens. How do you focus? How do you look at that? How do you see it differently? And how do you focus and eliminate? I guess the, the opposite, the most important part. Focus is easy to understand. The hard part to understand is to focus on three things. You have to say no to ninety-seven. So when you, so how do you say no to the ninety-seven? And how does that process work in your mind? There's not enough time in the day to get it all done, right? One of those one of those things was is that how do you, I'll tell you you know emails come in all day long, and that's another way to focus is how do I focus on the important things in those email communications? What's important to me, you know? And you have to take that concept and apply it to when I go into my office today. What am I going to focus on? What's the most important things? And some things are not going to get done. Like you said, the 90% are not going to get done. You're hoping that's not one of the most important things in your business, right? And that's where the focus comes in. How do we focus on what's really important today? Because when that event happened in my life, there was a lot on my to-do list that may or may not have ever gotten done. 
so when you when you focus now, is it just you, you have an in innate intuitive sense of like f this, I'm not spending any time with that, or is is there a consciousness that says like if I were to do this, this is going to be the old life, and I don't want the old life back. I'm going to say no to this with a great deal more conviction, or maybe any conviction at all. And before I would have said yes. Do, do you, is there a consciousness to how you choose where you're putting your energy, or are you just sort of like, man, I just can't go back? There is definitely a consciousness to the energy, um, because I've got a second opportunity. And because of that second opportunity, there's a lot less tolerance. Um, and sometimes that tolerance comes out in, in strange okay, ways. Okay, talk about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example. My wife took her, her Highlander that she's got leased up to the automotive repair shop. And they sold her on one of those um, fuel <laughs> treatment things for like 200 bucks, right? And she called me, and I was at the cardiologist. I was at the cardiologist for an appointment. Okay, and my heart starts racing. Okay, <laughs> and I'm like, "You did what? You you got a fuel treatment on a vehicle that you lease that you're turning in in two months, and you paid two hundred dollars for this? Put the guy on the phone. Oh, I've already left. What's his phone number? And." <laughs> The tolerance level has begun, is, is totally dropped, right? Like, I used to tolerate that kind of stuff. They all, oh, whatever, you know, let it go. You know, it's 200 bucks, no big deal. Just don't ever do that again. No, now Tim is going to call that auto shop. He's going to get a refund. He's going to say, don't ever take advantage of my wife like that again. You know, um, really lowered my tolerance level of... Many See, I, that you went the exact opposite like way that. on that story. I thought you were going to go. So I'm curious how, because I would have thought I was like, you know, it's all small stuff. Move along. Uh, but you're like, no, I, I got to be real. And so rather than stuffing down your frustration, you're like, no, I'm, not, I'm just going to let it go. Do, do you, first of all, how did it end? Did you get the refund? Okay. I got the refund. Love it. That's inspiration. Got the <laughs> and then, and then how, it, was, it was cathartic, and you felt resolution. But hold on, but but no, no, but hold on. I got the refund, but I had to spend another hour and a half at the cardiac cardio uh, cardiologist office because my heart rate was through the roof. They were about to admit me in the hospital, and he's like, "What is going on? Your heart rate is like so, out of so I'm not convinced. This is the healthiest thing for you, man. I get that your priority." So it wasn't, it wasn't, right? It wasn't. And I'm like, oh, man, I got so worked up. You know, I, I, need, to not, I need to not do that. And he's like, absolutely, you need not to do that. Not in my office. <laughs> so that's interesting. So I, 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 I think there's some real wisdom in this, and I don't think people would talk about it like this. So the, you're, you're, you're not afraid to be you. That's what I heard. Is that, is, that, is that fair? Is that close to what you're saying? Absolutely. So are there other ways when that manifests in a reduced amount of stress? Because I'm kind of guessing that what that what that did was it, it spiked you and didn't look good, but you were able to let go, uh, and as opposed to carrying that around, like every time you drove by the car, you know, place after that, you'd be like, "Thank God, take advantage of my car, my wife," and, and that's just adding up. But now you don't have to do that. Now you can look at that guy really yeah. rose to the occasion. No, no. He really he gave me all the money back, and I like that guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I and I you're exactly right. I didn't carry that. I didn't carry that past that moment. I addressed it, I took care of it, and 
I find that I'm doing that more often in client communications and personal relationships in all facets of yeah. life. So here, here's here, I'm going to borrow this from Brene Brown. Brene, you familiar with Brene and her? Okay, it's fantastic. No, She's uh, a researcher from from University of Houston. Many people know her. She's She's Oprah, you know, launched. She's a, she's Ted. She's everywhere. She's awesome. Got a great um, series of books that talk about a lot of things, um, not the least of which is boundaries. And she she has this sort of formula that, that has been very instructive for me. Is if you have resentment, if there's something that you feel kind of lingering frustration about that, and it, that you might label as resentment, that is because there was a boundary you did not defend for yourself. There was something that you were infringed upon, something you wanted to do differently that you didn't protect. And uh, and I'm seeing that this is a real, real this, what you're after here, what you're doing. You're saying, I'm no longer willing to sacrifice my needs and my desires, and uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight a little more aggressively up front if I have to. I'm going to pay a short-term price for a long-term gain that is, I get to feel like I'm living free and honestly, and I get to live on my terms. Absolutely. Yep. You hit the nail on the on the head with that What are one. things you're doing right now in the business on a daily basis that, that just can reinforce that? And yeah, what are you what are you doing? Especially in the, I, I really want to kind of re- refocus. You're in the business today. What would be so markedly different yep. in the business today than at the worst time before the heart attack? So the things that are being different today is is addressing those issues, those employee related issues, those work performance issues, right? Um, I address those immediately now. And I used to ponder on them, right? There was time where it's like, oh, he'll change. She'll change. The numbers will change. They'll show up, you know? Um, now, no. The tolerance is, is down here. The tolerance for that kind of stuff is it gets addressed immediately. It gets corrected. The behaviors change or they leave or they get released from the business. Um, that's, that's a huge change. Um, before I would, I would procrastinate, like most of us that you know, deal with employee resource capabilities. It's like, okay, you know, and, and even in the interview process, like I'm very direct in the interview process. These are my expectations of you as an employee. Do you think you fit into our organization like this? Right? It's like, this is what we expect. If you can't meet those expectations or exceed those expectations, then you're not a good fit for our organization, and you should probably look for something different. You mentioned earlier about delegation, and I wrote it down because I wanted to, to talk about that. Clearly, it, it, that connects. Yeah. How do you see the role of your team now in terms of delegation differently than you did before? Um, so that delegation, you know, I have to I have to keep in mind that my time is is limited on the earth. I don't know when that moment's going to come, but I have to be prepared for it, just like a business continuity and disaster recovery plan is. Things that we do for our clients. I need to have a plan that this business can operate without me. Um, that secession yeah. plan, right? And I need the people in place that know what I do and how I go about doing it to make sure that if I step away or I'm taken away from the business, that 
it can continue on without interruption. And so I've taken and I've made steps to bring in employees and bring in new people on the team that, uh, that understand how things are done, even in my role. Okay. So do you have a plan, uh, like a contingency plan, if something were something, what would happen if there was another bad health situation for you again? Yes. Yeah, that plan is now in place. That plan is in place. So hopefully we never have to use it, right? It's kind of like business, kind of like a hurricane (laughs) in Texas, right? You hope you never get one, but when you do, you pull out the book and you pull out the you know, pull out the document and walk through the process. That process is now in place. And so, so many people, just like business continuity and disaster recovery, so many people don't want to take the time to do it until they've had the op- had the event, right? And uh, I'm guilty of it. Secession planning, thinking I was invisible, that I was always going to be here, you know? Shoot, my grandmother lived to 103 years old. I'm only halfway through. <laughs> Got lots more to do, man. Lots more to do. Got lots more to do. Lots more to do, right? So, so the delegation seems like a powerful thing, and I, I want to provide a little more color in that. And it it reminds me. You said you said this, and it reminds me when I sold my business. Uh, there was a time after I sold the business, and I didn't really have a job yet in the company that bought mine. And was figuring some things out. But I did have some tasks uh, that were either sort of disposition of the old business or things I was doing in the new business. And so I I had things I needed to do, but I had very scarce amounts of time to do it because I had lots of things going on in my world that that would suddenly take my time. And so I'd have a plan for all the things I was going to get done that week or even that day. And I would would see like seven major things. And then, well, that's fine. I got to work. Okay, five major things. Okay. And routinely, I would be down to like the one thing. Like if I'm going to get one thing done today... Uh, what was it going to be? And, and after like six or ten weeks of that, I remember thinking, wow, you know, in the old days, I was busy for 12 or 14 hours and I felt like nothing was getting done. And now, like, I look at this one thing per day plan and I can't believe how much is getting done. This is incredible. This, this focus is really making an impact. And, and I think that flows into the idea of delegation. When you can start getting these things off to somebody else's plate and, and you're sort of focused on what matters most to you and your highest contribution, there seems to be kind of a an a doubling down, a multiplier effect on your ability to make a, a, a positive impact. Is, is, is that what you experience in your delegation? Yeah, it is what I experience in my delegation. So I'll, I'll go back to my training in American Express that we talked about earlier in the conversation. So one of the programs American Express had in place was the Franklin Covey, you know, time management. Everybody get, did right? everybody get a planner? Um, everybody got a planner. Everybody went to training, right? Priorities, ABCs, one, two, threes, you know, make things a priority and prioritize them. Not only business, but personal as well. Put it on the calendar. Prioritize it. Make sure it's on the calendar. Put the most important things first, right? Make those, if this doesn't happen today, something detrimental is going to happen, right? That's an A1 category. That has got to happen today. It's got to be completed. And that a, that C3 item is one of those like, hey, man, if I had extra time and I could get something, you know, I needed something to do, uh, there's something to do. 
but it's not going to be life-threatening. It's not going to, if it doesn't happen, it's not a big deal. If it never happens, it's not a big deal, right? If I, if I don't respond to that email from, you know, whoever it was that, you know, some advertising email or something like that, if I don't act on that, n nothing's going to happen. There's no result whether I respond or not respond to that communication. And that's how I prioritize my day is I take those A tasks and make sure the A tasks get completed. And so for those not familiar and with Franklin Covey, one of those is the priority and one of those is the, well, yeah, se severity, Im impact and urgency? Severe okay. impact, yep. Yep, yep, exactly. So, and that plays it not, not only in the business, don't just plan it and apply those to your business, but apply it to your personal life as well. Like, if I'm going to be taking my wife out for dinner, and I want to make that an A task, you know? That's, that's a commitment that I'm making to that person. I'm not going to take, you know, and uh, say a client urgent matter comes up, and I got to call her and say, oh, we're, you know, we plan to go out for dinner. You know, I got to take this call, and I'm not going to make it for dinner. No. I tell the client, you know, I got another commitment on my calendar and I've got to follow through with that commitment. But, you know, happy to follow back up with you tomorrow morning or later that evening. Right. I realize the issue that you have is, is, is highly critical or, or very important to you. But I have something that I've committed to. And that might be dinner with my wife. Right. They don't. It doesn't matter whether it's dinner with your wife or dinner with your most important client. It's been prioritized on the calendar, and it is the thing that's going to happen. And nothing comes in the way of that. So, um, but taking, taking and delegating, we were, we were talking about mm -hmm. delegation, right? Is delegating stuff off. As an entrepreneur, as a business development, you know, uh, the guy that built the company, um, it's really hard to let go. Very hard to let go. Um, so for me to let go of a relationship that I've had with a client for 20 years and say, you're now the account manager for this client, take extremely good care with them. I've watched their kids be born. I've watched their kids get married. You know, I've watched them, their kids have kids, yeah. <laughs> right? In some cases, you know, um, so this relationship with this customer is is deep it's uh it's very close to my heart and so i need you to really be bring your a game to take care of this customer and letting go of that is hard to do um be delegating that off to someone and finding that right person making sure you got the right well that's fit. exactly what i was going to um, say like in the u.s we talk about uh letting go of the vine that's the concept of delegation and there's two pieces you have to have and you have to a let go that's the and b yeah. into the hands of somebody who can catch it right <laughs> so that you have to have both <laughs> and if you're and if you're if for some reason delegation isn't working it make sure you've checked both because if you've got the right person and you just simply can't get your fingers to let go then then you got to work on that but if your fingers won't let go and look at the person and you go oh the reason i won't let go is i can see that it's going to be a bad bad outcome and uh and i just wasn't aware of my own uh, inability to address that piece of the problem which it sounds like that was a big factor for you sure. um your your ability to let go was 
was, sounds like was way enhanced by your um, enforcement enforcement not the right word clarity uh, of expectations and making sure that if somebody was not in the position to do the work that was expected that you called that out and you addressed it rather than pretending everything was okay absolutely yeah yeah and it is is it's feeling comfortable with that person to be able to take that relationship and manage it the way you've managed it for for years right and make sure they have that clarity of expectations setting setting what those expectations are and making sure that they're held accountable for it and addressing it immediately when it's not happening five minutes five days 24 hours for you Immediately, I'd say the same day if possible, next day at the latest. That's very much what I experience as being useful. Anything beyond that starts Mm -hmm. to kind of morph into, I forgot, to like it doesn't matter, to, you know. Brings the stress level up. Right? Now you're you're questioning yourself. Am I making the right decision? Is this really an issue? Are my expectations too high? Um, you know, you start questioning yourself when you knew immediately this was wrong. The way you're dealing with that client is wrong, right? And I, I need you to change the way that you interact with that client or the way that you service that client. This is what their expectations are. So addressing it, addressing it so, right away. So one thing that I think is really cool is that uh, the I, I, I the whole story of I, I died or I had a brush with death and now I have a new lease on life. Uh, isn't the take it easy, smell the roses, work less story here. It is stop uh, settling. Stop uh, settling or stop marginalizing your own needs. Uh, listen to your own heart and your own standards and, and actually maybe be a little tougher uh, on the world around you so you can live the life you want. And so it's almost like a call to action to stop letting things slide. As ironically... Uh, a longer-term antidote to to success and, and, and creating some, some happiness by raising the standard of excellence. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with We've you We've covered a lot here, man, and I, I, I think we kind of told the majority of the story, and I, I want to ask you, is there anything you feel like we you want to add that would be uh, remiss if we didn't cover? You know, it's, uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's good. As I say, it's good to be alive. Um, I did. I did want to cover one thing. Is is I met with um, I met with the staff, everybody that was involved in my recovery at the hospital. Right, um, they had a survivor luncheon. This was a funny story. Oh my gosh! So they called the EMS crew called me, which happened to be a client of mine. We actually put in their satellite communications between them and the police department um, years earlier, and uh, so they had called me up and they said, "Hey, you know, we're we want to have a, a survivor luncheon at the hospital at, at St. Luke's Hospital, and uh, would like to invite you if you're if you're up for it. We know this is an emotional thing for you and." Um, you, you may need to think about it, but we'd like you to be part of it. And I said, well, yeah, give me a couple of days and, you know, check back in with me. Um, because it is emotional, very emotional. Um, so I, they did. They checked back in and I said, tell me a little bit more about it. 
well, you're going to, you know, be there and you're, we're going to s- celebrate that you're here and that, you know, we kind of, you get a chance to meet some of the people that were involved that you had no idea were involved because you were either dead or, you know, heavily sedated. Being dead is a right? reasonable excuse for not um, knowing what happened. That's, 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 <laughs> exactly, exactly. And believe me, you don't know. <laughs> you do not know, right? <laughs> like, where's my underwear? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, so we we had this. So we got it on the plan. We picked a date. You know, okay, you're going to show up at like ten o'clock, and we're going to have a little presentation, and you know, you'll be there for the survivor luncheon, and and I and I assumed it was a survivors luncheon, right? Like plural, like there would be several survivors there. I showed up. And the survivor luncheon was survivor, just singular. It was about me, right? We had 50 to 75 first responders, uh, fire folks, um, ambulance folks, uh, emergency room folks, uh, you know, cardiac people, cath lab people, everybody along the process was in that room and you know it was it was very emotional right so you know the people that uh, some of the nurses came up to me and said they've been there 20 plus years said we've been here 20 plus years and we've never had someone survive that heart attack the heart attack you had happens and unfortunately most people don't make it and they've been there 20 plus years, right? And they've seen it. So that so was how many huge. Times, how many times did huge. you find new depth of understanding? Because that sounds to me like one of those moments where like, you thought you knew how grateful you were. And then you go face to face and you're like, it adds a whole other level. You go down one more level. I'm like, wow, I can't believe how lucky I am. How many times did yeah. that happen to you? Like, yeah. like, it, still, it still happens. It still happens. Like, you know, I still, you know, I'm in the car and I play a song and I'm like, man, it's great to be here. <laughs> you know? So, but, you know, the, you don't know. You don't know what tomorrow has to lead, right? You don't know what, if, if you've got an opportunity to see tomorrow or not. I hate to say it, but it's true. I never saw it coming. Never saw it coming. Had no real symptoms, right? Um, so, and unfortunately, some people yeah. don't make it. I'm just, I'm just fortunate to be here and, and have made it and be able to sit here and talk with you today, and and share this, share this information. Well, I'm so folks. grateful as well for just the fact that you're still in my world uh, and in my life. That's, that's, I'm super grateful for that. And the trust you put in me was always very profound, and I, I hugely appreciate that. And, and I'm, the trust of telling the story and how we're going to present that. And so that's that's amazing. The, the tricky part of your story is that uh, it's you, you can't share your experience. You can only share words of advice. And so it's, it's everybody I know who talk about this subject, it's like, well, it sounds important but how do I kind of bring it into my presence how do I bring it into like not having lived through a near death experience I don't have a way to contextualize that so get, get, how what would you try to tell yourself knowing how hard you would it would be for you to hear yourself 
you know, what would you tell your old? And this is I'm replacing my normal question. My normal question is, what's your passionate plea for entrepreneurs right now? But I want you to go through the filter. Like, what would you try to tell your past self that would land, knowing that your past self wouldn't have a way to connect with a near death experience? Wow, wow, that's kind of hard to hard to hard to respond to. Um, because you're right, I felt that would never happen to me, right? And now that I'm here, how do I look at it? Um, I don't know how to respond to that. Well, Give I mean, me the question is sort of like, what would your best attempt be to cut through your resistance as a, as, a, as somebody who would who felt in, invincible? Because I don't know, I, it's you, you know. It's it's all maybe the maybe the answer is there's nothing you can say maybe there's nothing you can say that brings it that brings it home but and maybe we'll just go back to the default question what is your most passionate plea to entrepreneurs right now given given your perspective lower your tolerance level lower your tolerance level that's the biggest thing that I've seen happen since that event is I've lowered my tolerance level. Um, in all facets and in, in, in being a consumer of products and services and being a leader of an organization um, in addressing the things that you've never addressed. If, if you look at today and you say, I really need to address this because tomorrow I'm not going to get the opportunity to address it today. Address what you've been putting off because if you don't get to address it ever, it'll never be addressed. That's incredible. I think that exactly answered the question I was trying to engineer in such a great way because it didn't preach to, I don't think, to some impossible to understand perspective. You're, you're saying like, look, man, <laughs> the, the, the most ing- important ingredient in increasing my happiness was just, um, just accepting less BS. And everybody can use that. Whether you're going to die at 103 or not, everybody can use that right now. Super practical. It's not an insurance policy for what if. It's like, no, do it now. Live it now. Raise the bar. Just stop accepting BS. It's no one's winning. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Man, this has been an incredible experience for me, and I'm so grateful for the time. Uh, I I think this is going to be helpful for a lot of people, and I'm really eager to hear feedback. Uh, But that's that's it. That's our time for today. We've covered so much. Um, it's, It's been wonderful. Everybody who listens to this, please share this with with friends who you think could get some benefit out of this. Uh, but just you know, to ending ending the conversation, if somebody wants to continue the conversation or just connect with you in some way, how does somebody find you, Tim? Well, probably the best way to find me is um, the company is thebestitcompany.com, which I love from a marketing perspective. Nice. And then uh, my LinkedIn profile, Tim Loney, T-I-M-L-O-N-E-Y. You can find me on LinkedIn. Pretty active on that. Um, platform and uh, you can connect me on LinkedIn. Awesome, thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Tim. So for that's it for today. Please subscribe, share with your friends, uh, leave feedback. It's so valuable. And we will see you next time on You're Doing It Wrong with me, Mark Anderson Leary. This is You're Doing It Wrong 
with Mark Henderson Leary. For more episodes and to subscribe, go to leary.cc.